Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Okay, we'll try that again. I know everyone's coming back from talking and you have to like migrate back to your seat, figure out how do I, I don't know how to get to my seat anymore. It's, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. You will find your way. I promise it, it'll be all right. How is everybody doing this morning? Happy 4th of July weekend. It is so good to be hanging with all of you here in this place this morning. And uh, we're going to get ready to jump into the to the word here this morning. But before we do, I just want to greet everybody who is joining online from all around the community, all around the country, all around the world. There's people all over the place. And so uh, let's do this. If you are here in the room at the Nam Pacific Center, why don't we put our hands together for everybody who's joining us online. We're so grateful that you are here with us this morning. Awesome. Well, uh, we're going to jump into another one of the benefits of relationship today. We've kind of been going through a few of these these last few weeks, and we're going to dig into another one of those here. We're going to talk about how our lives together actually bring refreshing to one another, that our lives together were actually designed to refresh and give life to one another. It's a very, very cool benefit. But before we jump in there, uh, just a couple of things is we are in the middle of, actually we're on the tail end side now, of our summer season of small groups. Come on, can we give it up for small groups? We are not a church with small groups. We are a church of small groups. Small groups is, uh, it's the lifeblood of what we do here. It is so important, and it's a, a, such an incredible thing to be able to foster relationship as we do that together. Uh, if you haven't jumped in one of these groups, we have some great groups that have been meeting this summer. Uh, great relationship building time and a bunch of variety of different things, everything from Bible study type things to family get-together nights to everything in between, dinner. So there's some really cool stuff. So if you haven't jumped into a group yet, you can go to our website and you can click on the banner and that'll show you, or you can text OLC groups to 94,000 and get a list of those groups right to your phone so you can see, you can learn more about them and then join one of those groups. But I'd highly encourage you to do that. Even though we have just a few weeks left in this season, jump in, build a relationship. Um, and, and I might even say this too, you might want to just, you know, if it's a group that you're like, oh, that'd be interesting, but that's that's different than what I might normally do, do it anyway, because it'll be really good for you. So if you gravitate to a relational hangout type thing, maybe do a Bible study or vice versa, right? Get out of our comfort zone a little bit. Anyway, it's a good thing to do. And then uh, this season is going to culminate on July 16th with Serve Day. And we are so excited about Serve Day, and we're excited about it because Serve Day is really the opportunity where we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community, and we get to make it really, really practical that everything that we talk about here on Sunday about how to be light, how to be salt, how to care for, how to spread the love of God, all of that gets culminated on that day where we can actually take it and do something tangible with it. And the way that works is actually through small groups. So through this uh, season, 
If you were part of a small group, uh, part of the conversation was around how you as a small group are going to serve on July 16th. And so what you can do is you can, uh, as a small group, you'll be putting that together and looking at what you can do to serve the community and serve the area. If you're looking for some ways to do that, if you go to our website, there's this banner and there's a bunch of different ways and examples and ideas of things that you can do, um, which is awesome. And so you can jump on there, but that is Serve Day, and it is going to be awesome. Well, we are going to jump into the message today, and we are a note-taking church, which means that we actually write down and, and take things with us that we can process during the week and that God can continue to stir in our hearts. And so uh, you can do that with a good old-fashioned paper and pen, that, that people still do that. And, and a good old paper. That's right. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. All right. He's got it. He's got it. He's holding down the fort back there. Uh, anybody else use paper and pen still like that? Okay. All right. There's a few. Very, very good. You guys, the few, the proud. That's awesome. The Marines. But that didn't work. So anyway, never mind. Uh, but so, okay, so that's awesome. If you are a digital techie person, you can text OLC notes to 94,000, get those to your phone. There's some blanks to fill in. You could do all that kind of stuff and then send them, save them, do all that kind of stuff as we go and jump in there. All right, you guys ready to jump into the word today? Yes. All right, I am too. I'm really excited about this message. Uh, not only because of the topic, but because I want to take uh, the perspective that I'm going to take in, in talking about it. Um, I kind of geeked out about it as I was prepping this week, and, uh, and I'll tell you why as I kind of get into it. Um, so I'm really excited about it. Hopefully you will also be excited about it as I get into it. Uh, but we are going to be talking about refreshing. Two quick stories. When I was a kid, um, I was my first Boy Scout outing was a canoe trip, and uh, and it was awesome. It was the first overnight. We were all these young scouts, and we were just so excited to do this, right? So we get in our canoe. We canoed for a few hours. We got to this island where we were going to spend the night, and on this island, uh, it was actually where they kept cattle so that they wouldn't escape. <laughs> Novel thoughts, surround them with water. Either they drown or they won't go anywhere, right? Uh, and so we, we stayed, and this is where we we're going to stay. And on this island, there was a pool of water um, that was warm, uh, had a film over the top. It was, it was, it was disgusting. It was disgusting, right? It's where the cows went and hung out. And, and several... Uh, people who will remain nameless may have gone swimming in that little pool. It was the worst, most disgusting water. It smelled and it was just, it was, it was terrible. It was terrible. Uh, I'm sure I have no long-term effects from it. None at all. Uh, fast forward to then uh, another scenario. As a kid, every summer, my family, we would go camping. That was, our, that was our summer vacation was we would go camping. And we would always go, always go to the same place. We would go to Three Creeks Lake, which is outside Sisters in Bend in Oregon. It's beautiful up there. I think, there it is, there it is. This is Three Creeks Lake. Um, absolutely beautiful, no boats allowed. I mean, rowboats only. It was very quiet. Um, they stocked the pond, so every day we would go out and we would get in at 5 a.m. and we go trolling, catch the, catch the fish, come back and cook the fish for breakfast. Which I didn't know that was a thing. 
but, but apparently it is. So we would cook the fish for breakfast, and then we eat it. It was awesome. But one of the cool things about Three Creeks Lake is that it was very primitive. There was an outhouse, which is where you'd have to, you know, do all the stuff. And to get water, there was actually, and you can see some of it in here, there was a snow glacier that was over just outside of the campground. And what they had done is they had built in a trough and a spigot from the snowpack. And so for you to be able to get and use the water, the water was straight runoff from the glacier. So you would go up and you'd fill your canteen or your water containers and you would, you would get it. And it was the freshest, purest, cold water that you've ever had. I mean, it was just, every time you get it, sometimes we'd go and just turn the spigot on, you know, and get it right off the, right off the snow. It was the freshest water. So you had in Scouts this water that was, well, not fresh. Just, just say that right there. And then you had glacier runoff water, which was pure and it was clean and it was cold and it was refreshing. And between the two of those things, which one would you probably lean towards, the refreshing off the glacier, right? We didn't drink the other water, just so everyone's on the same page. We never drank that water, right? So you have these things. And so refreshing, we all know what it's like to have a glass of water that's just so refreshing. It's cold. It's, it's, it's awesome, right? And I was thinking about this as I was preparing, and I was thinking through how this is exactly how our lives should be to one another. Is we should breathe, we should be to each other that cold, crystal clear glass of water that refreshes each other's hearts. This is how God designed it, is so that all of us here are that cold drink of water on a hot day. We are called to refresh one another. And, and this refreshing comes from something very specific. And I want to I park on here today so that we can actually hear what are the things that help us to bring refreshing to one another. Psalm 133, David writes about this. He says this, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in harmony. It is like fine oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. If you're taking notes, the first blank in there is that harmony is what brings refreshing. The harmony of our lives, when we function who we are in Christ, the harmony that exists between us is what actually refreshes us and it refreshes the world. Now, I want to use a metaphor today uh, that I really, I really like. So I'm going to grab my guitar and hopefully, bear with me, watch, I'm going to pull the whole backdrop down. This is going to be so cool. Last time they ever used props, tell you what. <laughs> All right. Now it's not even plugged in. Okay, it's there. All right, you got it. Okay, good. 
I'm going to use the metaphor of music to talk about harmony today. Okay, this is, I geek out on music. I love music. I've been playing classical piano since I was 10 years old. Played guitar since, I don't know, junior high. I love music. And one of the things that I really like about music is it gives such a beautiful picture and metaphor of how we are called to be together in life. Now, harmony is different than unity. Okay, I want you, I want you to hear this. Harmony is not one note, okay? Harmony is not just a, a single sound. Harmony is multidimensional, and it adds dynamic and life to the music. Here's the thing about harmony. It can only happen between two or more notes. Apply it to yourself. I'm sorry to say this, but you cannot harmonize with yourself. <laughs> there is no way, but you can try, and that would be really entertaining. You cannot harmonize with yourself. So here's the application for us in relationship. We can only create harmony when we're in a relationship with one another. Otherwise, you're a single note. And, and a single note is cool, right? I can play notes. Right? Just a scale. But one note gets kind of boring. Right? It's just, it's one note. I mean, I can, I can try to fake it, but it's one note. <laughs> but if I put those notes together... totally different life to it. That's the same as our lives. We create a beautiful sound together when we are functioning in relationship the way that God intended it to be. When we're not an isolated note. I mean, just for fun, it'd be fun to do worship that way one weekend, you know? I give thanks for all you have done doesn't really work very well. We were created to complement each other in this harmony. Now, here's the thing is that harmony refreshes the soul in a way that a single note cannot. I don't know if you, you guys know the band, the Pentatonics. Anybody familiar with Pentatonics? Okay. Or, or any, any, you know, harmony type band, right? There is something beautiful when even you hear an acapella group that will sing in four or five part harmony, right? You listen to that and it's just like, oh man, it just makes you, even if you know nothing about music, the sound when those notes break off into harmony, you're like, oh, that gives me shivers, right? There's something about what harmony does that a single note cannot. So I want to give you the definition of harmony. Here's what harmony actually means. It's the combination of simultaneously sounded musical notes to produce chords and chord progressions. This is the important part. Having a pleasing effect. 
having a pleasing effect. Psalm 133 says that when we live in harmony with one another, it has a pleasing effect. And Psalm 133 breaks this out into two different areas. I want to give these to you and we're going to, we're going to unpack them just a little bit here. In verse two, it says that this harmony is like fine oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his robe. Sounds really gross and sticky and slimy. But here's the point, is that an anointing was something that was so vital in the Old Testament and with the priests and even carries through to the New Testament and where we are today. Um, The idea behind this is that when people would enter each other's homes, there would actually be an oil that they would use to anoint guests. And the oil was not just an oil, but it was full of fragrance and smell. And they would put it on there so that it would create a pleasant atmosphere. So if you came over to my house, I would put oil on you, not only to say you're welcome here and I welcome you as a guest to my home, but I would also do it in a way that brings a pleasant scent and creates a pleasant atmosphere around. So I guess you could think about it this way. If you were given this anointing oil, it means you stink. (laughs) But I love this fact because this is what harmony does. It creates an anointing oil that creates a pleasant atmosphere. Do our lives create a pleasant atmosphere? That should be the goal. I would say the thing though is, I would say that in our own flesh and without the Holy Spirit, sometimes we, we don't create a pleasant atmosphere. And, and this is part of being a human being. But in the grace of God, God comes and he is the one who brings harmony amongst us so that we can create that pleasant atmosphere. It says here too that it was running down the beard, which speaks to it was rich and it was great in amount. When we are in harmony with one another the way Christ designed not only does it bring a pleasant atmosphere, but it's rich. There is so much anointing that comes from the Holy Spirit that it ru- it's like it runs down off of you. When we live in harmony with one another, it's like there's this thing that's just everything. It saturates every part of us, of the people who we're in relationship with, and the people who we are going to affect for Christ around us. There's just, there's so much there. And then finally, David says in there, he uses this metaphor of Aaron's beard, which at first you're like, why is he mentioning Aaron's beard? Aaron was the first of the priests, right? We remember back at the tabernacle. So what's David saying? He's saying that, listen, harmony brings an anointing oil that flows down even as it flowed down Aaron, who functioned as a priest before the Lord. We are priests. We are called priests. What does that mean? Simply means that our lives are purposed to give God glory and praise. And so what it says is when we live in harmony with one another, there is an anointing that comes that then the priests of God carry in the glorification of God. And, th- and this is what the, the, the point was here is that 
the priests, their job was to not only facilitate and foster this opportunity and this atmosphere for worship, they actually were the ones that were responsible for helping people to experience God and grow in relationship with him. So the thing is, as we live in harmony with one another, we actually are the agents that help people to be able to experience God and to be able to grow in relationship with him. This is the power of what harmony does, is it brings an anointing that rests on our life that otherwise wouldn't, able to be, wouldn't be there. Just a single note, harmony. So then the second metaphor is this, in verse three. It's like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. Mount Hermon, and I was gonna get a picture and then I didn't. Um, so there you go. Mount Hermon was really cool because in the landscape, the wilderness landscape in the Middle East, Mount Hermon was a mountain that jettisoned, had snow on it, and it was such a stark difference to the rest of the landscape around. And the dew on there was said to be full of nutrients, and it was heavy. That even if they, they would say that if they took their tents and they were completely dry because of the desert and the wilderness, that they put it there, everything would be completely soaked by the dew that came from Mount Hermon. It permeated everything, it touched. And the picture is this too, that even the dew that rested on Mount Hermon would actually descend down the mountain into the valley and would actually bring nutrients to everything that was around. So what's the idea? Is that as, again, as we live in harmony with one another and as we create this beautiful time, there's a refreshing that comes down from our lives that permeates and affects other people around us. That people walk away feeling so much uplifted and so encouraged because we have been able to pour out the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God and the love of God through our lives. There's this beautiful thing that happens that our lives actually, as we live in harmony with one another, bring refreshing to one another. Amen. And they bring refreshing to our neighbors. They bring refreshing to our coworkers. They bring refreshing to the people that we do life with. Why? Because there is a, a, a grace that comes down through our lives. This is the power. This is the power of harmony. So um, harmony is what refreshes us and the world. And it's what brings Jesus to those around us. Now, uh, the enemy... We know this. He's the father of lies. He can't come up with anything new on his own. We, we know this, right? And so what he does is he tries to create counterfeits to the real thing. He tries to create counterfeits that says you can find fulfillment, you can find uh, your, your refreshing, you can find all of that from places other than living in harmony with the body of Christ or being part of the body of Christ. And so he says, hey, listen, if you do this and if you go here and you tap into this thing and if you look over to this source, man, you'll get the same refreshing for your lives. The problem is it always comes up empty. In this room, I'm sure that you would be able to say that you recognize where that comes up empty. Where, where the enemy tries to use all these other things, all these other places that you can get refreshing, other than this. 
Because this is where the refreshing comes. I'm a words of affirmation guy. I just, I am. It's my love language. If you ever want to just get to me, just throw on the words of affirmation. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep it coming, keep it, no, just kidding. (laughs) But the thing about words of affirmation is that words of affirmation don't happen unless I'm in relationship with other people. I can't give myself words of affirmation. You're just so good at doing such a good job. Words of affirmation come from the body of Christ when we encourage one another. Even if you're not a words of affirmation person, we use our words of life to speak into one another. And that's what brings refreshing. But if we didn't have this, how sad of a place would it be? How lonely of a place it would be. And it would be a place that actually lacks refreshing. I don't know about you. I'm in for more refreshing. I mean, that benefit sounds way better than the alternative. (laughs) And if I'm into that, then I have to know that if I want to receive the blessing and the refreshing of the Lord, I better be in to the way that God says to do it. Because I can't make it up on my own, right? So Jesus says this in John 13. He says, I give you a new command. Love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And here's the key. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So how does refreshing come? How will people know that we as believers are living in harmony? It's when the love is evident in the way that we treat each other, in the way that we interact with each other, in the way that we build each other up and encourage one another. Let me tell you, you know this, the other, there's way too much of that going on already. There's way too much division, dissension. There's way too much that tears people down. Like there's, there's way, way, way too much of that. But for us to be able to say, okay, listen, the mark of the fact that we are in harmony. The mark of the fact that we are the children of God is that we carry the love of Christ to one another. And this becomes our motivation. Now within this, with this motivation being loving to one another, to the world we're in, we have to understand this, and this is going back to our analogy. Point number two, harmony requires tuning. Harmony requires tuning tuning. Here's what I mean. I'm going to dig into this a little bit. And I want you to hear this, that this is out of a really cool thing that God gives us the ability to do in relationship. Okay. Tuning of the individual instruments is required to have harmony amongst all the instruments. In order for us to be in harmony with one another, we have to, we have to tune. So, so what do I mean by that? Okay. To go on with the analogy, and then I'll pull it back together to our relationships. There are two reasons, there's more, but there's two reasons I want to give you of why instruments go out of harmony and are no longer allow, are able to produce harmony. The first of them is this. The instruments all tune to a different note. A different note. Ever been to a symphony before? And uh, you have the concert master, Right? And the concertmaster's job is to be perfectly in tune to a 440 pitch. 
And they come out and you, it's the coolest thing ever, right? When you're sitting at a symphony and everyone tunes. Oh, it's the coolest thing. I could go to the symphony just to listen to that. You know, you don't need to play anything else. Just sit there and tune. I'm a happy camper, right? But when you go there, what happens? There's a single note that's played that everybody else has to lock in with. And that is what allows them to create these beautiful harmonies. If they didn't do that, and they were all tuned to whatever, it would not be a harmonious sound. Because everybody would be all over the map, right? Some people might be close, but just a little bit off, which is called dissonance. Or you might have people that are just totally, completely off, not even on the same map, right? But they have to be able to tune to the concert master. Here's the application for us. If we're going to live in harmony with one another, it is really important that we all tune to the same bass note. What is our bass note? This. This is our bass note. If we are tuning our lives to anything other than this, we will be out of tune with one another. The only way for us to be in tune with one another is if we are first tuned to this. And we allow the word of God to shape how we live, how we talk, how we act, how we love. Because there's a bunch of different ways all put under this banner of love that you can do and you can treat people all kinds of different ways if it's under the banner of love. But if we don't have a definition of love that comes from here, we're not going to be able to be a harmonious sound. So we have to tune to the same note. Now, Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians. And, uh, and he says it this way. 2 Corinthians 6 in verse 14 says, don't become partners or be in harmony with those who do not believe. For what partnership or harmony is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship, harmony, does light have with darkness? What agreement or harmony does Christ have with Belial? Fancy word for sin. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? This passage is not talking about just go in your hole and don't talk to anybody because you just, you can't be around anybody that doesn't believe this. That's not it at all. That's not it at all. What Paul is addressing here is being in harmony, which has to do with tuning to the base note of the world or the base note of the word of God. Okay, that's what he's talking about. Now, the word agreement the Greek word for agreement is symphonesis. Symphonesis, which is where we get the word symphony from. And it's the only time in the New Testament that this form of the word is used. It's the only time that Paul uses this form of the word. So, so why is this so important? Why is this so important? Because he's saying, listen, if you're going to be in harmony with one another, and if you're going to be in harmony with Christ, you cannot be in harmony with the world. Yeah. That's right. it, it, th those two, Christ and sin, light and dark, are not in, in harmony. They can't. So if we think 
that we can kind of be in both places, we're going to get in trouble. It's not like we could just take a little bit of Bible, a little bit of whatever other religion we kind of like the feel and the look of, a little, a little bit of what secular society is saying and culture and kind of mix it all together into our religion and, and call it my gospel. No, that's, that's not a gospel. That you, you, can't, you can't do that. Paul very clearly says here that you cannot have harmony with one and, and harmony with the other. You have to have one or the other. And, and this is why this is, this is so important. Um, it is possible, now hear me on this. It is possible to create a harmonious sound and be in tune with the world. It is possible. It is possible to live life by the standards that the world produces, to go along with culture and to champion all the things that culture says to champion, to be about all of the baseline things that the world says. It is possible to do all that. There is just no way to have it jive with the kingdom of God. Harmony with one will be dissonance with the other. There's, there's, there's no merging. So for us, we have to understand this, that if we are to have harmony with one another, we need to have harmony with Christ as our, as our base note that then affects everything else that we do. As believers, our note is the word of God and our concert master is the Holy Spirit. That's how we live. And that's why daily we have to get into this thing and say, God, show me how to live. I don't know how to do this on my own. And he says, all right, I'm gonna show you. And there's times then when if this is the base note, our lives have to tune. Because we have to come back into alignment. There's no condemnation in Christ. Meaning, if we get off, God's not looking at us like, he got off again. Like, how hard is it to stay in tune? Like, he's not saying that. There's no condemnation in Christ. But when we sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it's a good gauge for us to go back and say, okay, I got to retune here. I got to retune. And allow the Holy Spirit to read your life, to speak to you, and then to be able to respond so that we can come back into alignment with the word of God. Amen? All right, here's a question for you. I'm gonna put it up on the screen. It's in your notes. Does the sound of your life reflect harmony with the word or with the world? Okay, just take it and process that. And the, and the, the gauge is like, where are your thoughts? Where are your natural inclinations? You, you wanna know a really good filter when you're getting ready to post something on social media? Amen. On. It'll show you real quick Amen. where you're aligned. So for us to be able to actually go back and say, oh, what kind of a sound am I creating? What's the, what's the sound of my life? If people look at me and they hear the sound of my, vo hear the sound of my life, can they see Jesus? Can they see the kingdom? The hope is yes. <laughs> That's our goal. 
right? And so that's how we live. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is this, is instruments get out of tune. So the reason they lose harmony is they get out of tune and don't retune. So they let things just happen without going back and saying, I actually have to like retune here. There's fine tune adjustments that need to happen. Tuning is an ongoing process that actually happens all the time. If you were to actually watch the musicians here on Sunday, you actually see that even in the course of while we're up here playing, sometimes we will be up here tuning. It's a continuous thing. It's ongoing. You have to do it all the time. If you don't, you'll get out of tune and then there's just dissonance. And if we don't pay attention to it, we just create this gross sound. It's just terrible. And then everybody, all, all of you are sitting there going, really? Like, I had more hope in them, you know? It's, just, it's true. It's true. Harmony is lost when the ongoing tuning stops. So how does this apply to us? It's this little word that gets a really bad rap, but it's a really good word, actually. If you're thinking about it through the perspective of tuning, conflict is what brings harmony. Okay, this is, this is what I mean by this, okay? Conflict. Conflict is what brings harmony. Because when you're tuning, you actually, you have to start with the fact that two notes are in dissonance. They're in conflict with one another. And you have to start at that standpoint in order to come back into alignment, right? If there's no conflict, there's no realization that there needs to be tuning. So it's when we engage in conflict that we understand, okay, I'm off. So how, God, help me now. How, how do I get back in alignment? This is where the relationship piece stands from. And this is where we come in. Because we, even as we are constantly tuning ourselves to the word of God, we have to be making sure that we are in tune with one another. And so we have to be able to take advantage. Now, conflict, is, conflict has gotten a really bad rap and, uh, because there's two kinds of conflict, okay? And again, I want you to think through the perspective of tuning here because tuning is really going to help. Wow, that clock, that's the problem. The clock's up there, so I couldn't pay attention to it and know that it was almost done. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, two kinds of conflict. One is negative conflict, Okay? This is what negative conflict is. It arises out of a bad or negative intention. It serves to either create more issues, to make the concerns grow even larger, or to impose one's point of view and vision on other people. Often, negative conflict is rooted in insecurity and defensiveness, tools of the enemy to tear the church apart. Okay? This is negative conflict. Okay? We see a lot of negative conflict in the world right? Lots of examples of what this looks like, okay? But then there's positive conflict. Proverbs 27 says this, iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another. Positive conflict is this. Think about tuning. Positive conflict has the intent to eliminate problems. It has the goal to prevent issues from growing larger than they have to be, to understand both parties better and or to acquire more knowledge. 
Positive conflict is rooted in love for the other person and a desire to see God's best for their lives. Positive conflict puts God right in the middle and has him help to create harmony. Okay, so two kinds of conflict, right? Now, go back to our tuning analogy. Tuning is conflict. It takes conflict to tune and get back to produce harmony. This is not a bad thing. This is the thing about conflict. If we realize that our lives to create harmony, we constantly need to be tuning to the word of God and tuning to each other, then we can actually view conflict as a, as a, as a blessing because we are able to enter into it and go, okay, this is an opportunity for us to get on the same page and us to align in the same place where then we can create this harmonious sound before God, right? So it's actually a really cool blessing from the Lord. Doesn't always feel like it when you're in the middle of it, Anybody love conflict? Don't raise your hand. Then... But, conflict... <laughs> but conflict is so important. Here, here's what you realize, okay? And, and this is why I realize about my life. My strongest relationships have gone through conflict. Your strongest relationships have gone through conflict. My wife and I have the strongest relationship. <laughs> you better believe there's conflict. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but your strongest relationships in order to get the strength there have to go through conflict so I'm going to move forward a little bit because we have to, uh, we have to close out here I want to give you these, these last pieces here these practical steps for restoring and remaining in harmony I want to give these to you I'm not going to preach these because I don't have time but I think the goal for us here, again, thinking through the fact that God designed us to be in beautiful harmony with one another. So that includes us aligning with the word of God and us aligning with each other in order to create this beautiful sound. In order to do that, there's a couple of things. And I'm just going to give these so you can fill in the blanks. The first one is to pray for one another. To pray for one another. Do you know... God will reveal so much about relationship with one another if we start praying for people. Is it's really hard to pray for somebody that you have conflict with. And that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, there's some tuning you might want to uh, look at. Oh, I didn't re realize. Pray for one another. The second is this, to listen and respond to the Holy Spirit to tune relationships, to listen and respond. We pray for one another, the Holy Spirit prompts, and we respond. Number three, we ask for God's mind and heart towards that person. God, how do you see this person? They're your kid, just like I'm your kid. How, how, do, I, how do you see this person? Number four is then to initiate a conversation motivated by love in order to bring harmony. So you begin by praying for one another as a symphony, as a body. And then we respond in the areas that need tuning. My final piece is this, is that tuning, if you look at a stringed instrument, especially like a violin or a viola, um, any of those, they have actually two sets of tuning knobs. 
They have the pegs at the end, which are for bigger adjustments. And then they've got little knobs down on the bridge for finite adjustments. In order for us to be in tune with one another so that we can be harmony in harmony, it's not always big things that we're just like, oh my goodness, there's this massive thing that we have to like figure out. No, sometimes it's, it's just, it's minute things. Hey, when you, when you said that to me the other day in the way you said it, it really, it really rubbed me wrong. And I'm fine and I love you, but it just, ah, I had a hard time. Oh, wow, I am so sorry. I did not realize that the way I said that did that to you. I am so sorry. Would you please forgive me? Absolutely. Hug. <laughs> Fine-tuning adjustments. Are we going to be responsive to the Holy Spirit to be in tune so that we can create a beautiful sound in the ears of God, in the ears of the world? Today, as we conclude, um, you know, 2 Corinthians, like I read, talked about how it's impossible to be in harmony, unity with the world and with Christ. And I know that there, there and maybe you're listening, either in the room or online, and you've tried that. You've tried to like figure out how to live in the world and around the world and, and all of that and, and kind of the God thing and the, the Jesus thing. And, but those two things are like, they just don't work, right? The first part of, of coming into or producing harmony with your life is a surrender to Christ to say, I'm going to come in harmony with the word of God and with what the word says. And I'm going to give up my life trying to do both. And I'm going to just align and say, God, it's all for you. If you're here this morning in this room or online and you're listening and the idea of harmony with one another is a cool concept and yeah, that's great. And that's a fun little illustration that you used. Yeah, that was cute. But maybe you're like, you know, I don't even know if I have harmony with Christ in my life. And you want to make a decision to today surrender who you are so that you can then come and be his child and receive his love over your life and make the decision to shift over to being in harmony with the kingdom of God, with the heart of God, with the love of God. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to pray a very simple prayer today. And what that prayer does is that it starts a relationship with you and Christ where then you can learn and go on a journey of what it means for your life to be in harmony with the body of Christ and in harmony with Christ. So would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you're here and you, uh, you're at the place where you're like, I need to pray that prayer today. I need to give my life to Christ. I've tried it so hard to just make it work. I need to give my life to Christ today. I want you to, to pray this with me with full assurance. And we're all gonna pray this together because we're all a family. Let's all pray this together. Say, Jesus, I've tried so long to do it my way. I've tried to do the world thing and it's come up short every time. Today, I wanna give you my life. Surrender my life to you. And I receive your forgiveness, your love that was poured out for me on the cross. Today, I make a decision to align my life with you.
with your love, with your kingdom, and to live for you in everything that I do. And everybody said together, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for those who prayed that prayer for the first time today in the room or online?